Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five. Hello, everyone, and welcome on into another edition of Fizz 5. It's Ethan Frank with Liam Griffin back at you here. And really, the middle of the summer today is Thursday, July 13th. We're recording this Thursday night. Liam, how are you doing? It's good to be talking to you, my friend. It's been a really hectic news week over the last few days for SU Athletics, more specifically SU Football, with some out-of-town news coming into play in addition to some big in-state stuff that's going to dramatically affect the past, present, and future of this program, Ethan. And with that, we have some good recruiting news on on that as well. Yeah, a a lot of things to discuss, so let's get into topic number one. Number one. Topic number one, not sure how this couldn't be the number one topic. That is LaQuint Allen, the story that's really been dominating a lot of the news cycle, the headlines over the past few weeks in Syracuse when it first came out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago that he would be suspended the entire season for an incident that occurred last December uh, that had nothing to do with football. It was a university suspension, not an athletic pro, uh, department suspension. And now it has come out. He will be able to return to the field starting in mid-August after his lawsuit was dropped. Him and the university came to an agreement and he will be playing and starting for Syracuse, we think, uh, come week one against Colgate. Yeah, this whole situation has been, oh my God, how do you end up here from there, right? What we've heard, Ethan, we we obviously won't know the full story anytime soon, but what we heard is that got in a fight in an on-campus incident this past December and was suspended a full year for it. Now, violence is never the answer to conflicts like that, but a full year seems kind of extreme for something of that nature. And I I don't really think either side handled it quite well. I think a year-long suspension was way too much. I don't know if filing a lawsuit was the best court of action because it's only going to make things worse. But you come to an agreement, you get that resolved, and now you have one of your most dynamic playmakers set to start if all things go as we think they're going to go, Ethan. Besides Ronde Gadsden, I mean, who else has proven that they can be a consistent offensive force. We saw LaQuinn Allen ball out at the pinstripe bowl this past December. Granted, in a losing effort. I don't know if I don't know if LaQuint Allen can I don't know if LaQuint Allen can be called consistent considering how little he's played. We haven't really seen him in that starting role aside from one game. I mean, I you bring up an excellent point, but at the same time, to come up like that on what I'd argue is the biggest game of the season, it says a lot. And can we expect him to be, you know, the Sean Tucker replacement? Is he going to fill those shoes into being a top five running back in SU history? Probably not. But can he be an option in the passing game? Can he get you chunk yardage on first and second down and 10-ish distance length plays? That's my question. And I think he can. If he is the starting running back for this team, rather if he isn't the starting running back for this team, I don't know what Dino Babers is doing. Well, I'm not going to get into an argument with you about most important game of the season, but the pinstripe bowl cannot be considered the most important game of the season if your most important players are choosing to sit it out. That's first of all. Second of all, 
you look at what kind of impact LaQuint Allen can make on this team. And no, he's not going to be Sean Tucker, but he does have some sort of experience, which is going to be very important. This is the uh, statement that his lawyer, Melissa Swartz, said. Uh, Shout out Syracuse.com, by the way, had this story all covered. We were giving our thoughts and our analysis on theorangefizz.com, but really a lot of the the in-depth reporting coming from Syracuse.com. This is what Allen's lawyer said, quote, LaQuint is happy to be returning to Syracuse University to continue with his education and athletics. LaQuint is an incredible young man, and I know he will make amazing contributions to the Syracuse community on and off the field. And that's really what Allen was saying when this news first broke is that I was what the situation I handled it poorly, but I was just defending myself. And I, all I want to do is play football here and having a scholarship to play football here allows my family to operate in the way that it does. And you feel for the guy in that sense is that football at Syracuse university is his life. And that is what he needs to be able to continue living a, a, a productive, being a productive member of the Syracuse community and of society. And I'm just very happy. He's going to be able to continue to do that. And so am I, Ethan. And you talk about what SU has in front of it in terms of the schedule this year. It is not easy. So you need every little thing that can go your way. And Ethan, we saw last year, the running game, despite having Sean Tucker, the most electrifying player in recent program history, the running game was nothing special. It wasn't. And you keep a guy like Allen. I mean, behind him, you have a bunch of unproven. Jawan Price, the transfer, Ike Daniels, who's a freshman. Other than that, you don't really have a whole lot. So, have the well, I mean, as the president of the Muafak Parkman uh, fan club, I would have something to say about that. But that aside, had LaQuint Allen not suited up for the Orange come the fall, their running game would probably have been non-existent. And as much as you can harp on Garrett Trader's improvement as a passer, you can't win with only one facet of your offense. You just can't. So bringing Allen in might be the biggest offseason move Far and away. Uh, and that's also kind of like saying in, in in baseball where, you know, you're starting one of your starting pitchers gets hurt in spring training and then they're back in July. So it's our big trade deadline acquisition. Yeah, I, thought the, I did think the same thing after I finished saying that. We can't sit here and say, oh, this is a huge addition for Syracuse that LaQuint Allen's going to be playing. He was supposed to be playing in the first place. So, you know, I understand trying to put a positive spin on that on it, but I think that might be taking it a little bit too far. Regardless, Allen should be able to do a lot of different things in the passing game, in the running game, taking the burden off Garrett Schrader when he has to run because we know that guy uh, likes to put his body on the line. Hopefully, Allen can take some of that burden off him and provide a different element that Sean Tucker really couldn't, which was excelling in in route running. And LaQuint Allen is a much shiftier, quicker body than Sean Tucker was. Sean Tucker has incredible straight line speed. But when it comes to changing direction, especially route running in the passing game, that is something that Allen can be a, a heavy contributor with. Absolutely. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. You see a lot of Tucker in Allen's game in his ability to find the holes in the offensive line and make cuts, make cuts when a linebacker is charging right at him. But I think you mentioned it, the route running game is the essential element that Tucker sort of lacked towards being one of the premier running backs in all of college football. You know what I mean? Now, can you expect Allen to be a Dalvin Cook-esque player? Probably not. But 
to have him as a weapon in the passing game takes the pressure off Schrader, takes it off Rondé Gasson, because Ethan, as we sit here right now, this football team still does not have a WR2. Not saying LaQuint Allen is going to fill that role completely, but it certainly helps a lot. We we will have to see what happens come training camp in August. But let's move on to a, a, an even more serious situation with topic number two. Number two. Pat Fitzgerald, no longer the coach of Northwestern football. Liam, you had a, a piece up on theorangefizz.com uh, earlier this week detailing that situation, what kind of notice it could put Syracuse on. So, so go into what you know sprung you to put some thoughts together and what really motivated you to to share your thoughts with the world. I mean, yeah, this is one of the, if not the biggest storyline of the college football offseason, Ethan. And it bro- it broke my heart reading what happened because stuff like this, it, it's bigger than football. And you don't want to see it interfere with the game that so many colleges and universities across the country unite over every September. And especially at a school like Northwestern, who is not one of college football's elite, but it is a Big Ten school. It is a storied program, and it it just broke my heart. And I think I think the NU administration handled it absolutely poorly. I don't think two weeks was a good enough punishment from the get-go. I think Pat Fitzgerald should probably have been fired, right? should probably have been fired right out of the shoe. And it's a fresh warning to... Dino Baber's program, all of SU athletics, and the entirety of the NCAA, a bad culture can completely deteriorate a locker room. The Wildcats were 4-20 and 20 over the last two seasons. And I'll give Dino Baber's credit for doing that. Say what you want about him as a coach, but the his Ohana concept has really caused players to buy in. And it may not be happy-go-lucky on the field. It kind of seems like it is off the field, Ethan. And this is a reminder to everyone that mental health is of utmost importance in this world, and it's only going to continue to get even more important. And hazing is just not okay in any environment. No, this is a this was a very serious situation. And shout out to the to the you know Northwestern student journalism students who were able to break a lot of the news in this story. And you know, the really the the sports media community shouting out, you know, this is why journalism matters because it exposes stories like this that could take place at any college football program. And to think of an institution like Northwestern, which is one of the utmost and storied universities that the United States has to offer and is one of the most respected colleges in the country for this to be happening at an institution that is thought so highly of around the nation, I think was pretty shocking, but it just shows you, you know, what you were saying, Liam, is that what a bad culture can create. And that is a a culture of, of issues and problems that span far beyond what anyone could conjure up. I mean, we look at, the broader view of college athletics, I can't remember any such situation like this, getting the national attention that this is getting. You look back a few years ago with Syracuse softball head coach Shannon Depking being accused of alleged abuse, published by an article from the Daily Orange, SU's student-run newspaper. College softball is a much different sport than college football. The former grew has grown a lot over the past few years, but it's still not the 
media beast that college football is. Depp King's the story about Depp King got little to no media attention, if at all. And that speaks to how important college football is in America. I mean, people gather every Saturday, sit on the couch with your buddies, have some chips and queso, and watch America's game of the week, whether it's Bama LSU or Syracuse Clemson at noon on ABC. It it just breaks my heart to see an American tradition almost get tarnished, Ethan, by something as awful as this. And it's a wait it should be serve as a wake-up call to all of us whether or not we're directly involved with the collegiate athletics program. It should. And there's no no really other way to say it that, you know. Everyone needs to be careful and everyone needs to be monitoring their actions very closely. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Number three. Focusing back to good news within Syracuse, basketball recruiting, heavy, heavy stuff going on right now over the summer. We just had Peach Jam wrap up last weekend and a lot of Syracuse's coaches and assistant coaches were down there scouting and, and, and there is a lot to like about what is coming out of the Syracuse program right now. A lot of self-awareness, which I think has been lacking, especially over the past few years, but you have your hard commits and Elijah Moore and Donnie Freeman, who Adrian Autry, Jerry McNamara, and Brendan Strong saw play last week. And really the guy that it feels like Syracuse is after the hardest right now is Jaleel Bethay, who is 18th overall, according to the 24-7 sports rankings, 11th overall and a five-star according to the 24-7 sports composite from outside of Philadelphia. And this is a guard who could really, you know, you would expect that after this year, Judah Mintz and J.J. Starling won't be with the Syracuse program anymore. I'd be, They'll be shocked, off to the they, NBA. I'd be shocked if they were. This is a guy that can be the next lead guard of Syracuse basketball. And, and you look at what Adrian Autry is telling these guys. These were some quotes from Syracuse.com today. Donnie Freeman said, quote, he wants to bring Syracuse back to where it was they had a couple down years the last two or three years but they want to bring it back to where it was elijah moore said quote he lets me know that we're going to bring syracuse back syracuse has been having a tough time and he says you're going to come and bring things back then he can see i committed to coach behind but i committed to syracuse too coach griffin recruited me and i talked with coach autry nothing's changed freeman said i really wanted to play for autry he was upfront and honest with me that like listening and hearing and reading these things is so refreshing to hear after what Syracuse recruiting and what the program was over the past few years to hear these highly touted prospects speak about Syracuse this way. And the way Autry is going about recruiting is so refreshing and enlightening to see. Ethan, let's not be blunt about it. The last few years of Bayheim's tenure were not good from a recruiting standpoint. Sure. You had the big mega class of 2022, that the jury is still out on that, but other than that, it, it, it's not impressive. But those quotes that you just read are immensely powerful because when I hear we want to bring Syracuse back, I don't think of double digit deep NCAA tournament runs, I think of the late 2000s and the early 2010s, where granted this was in the old Big East when Q's was consistently a top 10, 20 team in the nation year in and year out, almost a certified lock to be a top five seed come March Madness. That's what I think of, and that is what I want to see back. You already have Elijah Moore and Donnie Freeman. Quick side down on Freeman. I want to shout out our colleague Adam Gotkin for his awesome article about Donnie Freeman's high school coach's battle with ALS. That 
that that's absolutely heartwarming stuff right there from our friend Adam. You add Jaleel Bethay to that group. Oh man, because you have your combo guard, maybe small forward, should the situation apply in Elijah Moore. You have Donnie Freeman, who's a stretch four that can attack from outside. Not a pure big, but one that has size to his advantage. You bring in Jaleel Bethay. Like you mentioned, Ethan, the heir to the guard throne, per se, of Mintz and Starling. They're probably not going to be back. Can you solely rely on Bethay? No. I think you need to expand your horizons a little bit. Well, in theory, you'll still have some of the guys from this year's roster on the team. Absolutely. But a guy I've brought up on the Fizz in the past, Boogie Flan, who was supposed to visit for the UNC game this past January. Probably a good thing he didn't. The reason he didn't, he had a game to play. I, I, I think that's fair. We'll see what happens, but everything you're hearing from recruits is really positive, and we'll see if Syracuse is able to get a couple more commitments coming up You know, as the fall starts when this class of 2024 really starts to heat up. And then you look at the class of 2025, Syracuse is working there as well. You look at a guy like Cam Ward who has a Syracuse offer. Here were his, some what he said. He said, quote, he wants to get talking about Autry. He wants to get back to that winning culture. I like what he's trying to do at Syracuse, and I'm definitely invested to see what they do. And then the big name, the big fish, the one everyone's talking <laughs> about, Kai and Anthony said, quote, he just tells me that Coach Beheim retired and they played the two three. Autry is telling me they're going to play a lot more men. They're going to change the system up a little bit, start recruiting more guys and get the talent that's needed to get to the next level and play New York city style basketball. That means playing fast, running up and down the court, aggressive man-to-man defense and really pushing the tempo as a unit. And that is really, really exciting. And that leads us perfectly into topic. Number four, number four. So we just heard all the quotes from his players, but but what about what Adrian Audrey had to say? He spoke to the athletic in what was a, a Peach Jam recap. You know, the stars of Peach Jam, you know, your number one recruit in the country, Cooper Flag. LeBron James was there coaching his son. I don't know if you ever heard of that guy, Leah, but but here's what Adrian Autry said. Cannot say I can't say I've heard the name. Here's what Adrian Autry said about his program. Quote. When I came here years ago, it was one of the elite programs in the country, not just off the, not just on the court, but off it too. That's what I've been talking to recruits about. The orange standard that we have, it's a certain way. It's a certain level, the way we conduct ourselves. On the court, we're trying to get back to competing yearly and really being more consistent yearly. I mean, that tells me everything I need to hear about if I'm going to be invested in Adrian Autry as a head coach. I'm about 98% all the way in on, on, on Autry right now. You say 98% all the way in. I think that's a little high. There's a he there's no doubt he's saying all the right things, right? You're saying we want to get this program back to be consistent. We're done with a magical sweet 16 run, you know, every three years, right? That's all that's all fun and games, but I you can't be fully all in on it, Ethan, until you see the action on the court. Well, that's why I'm reserving two percent. <laughs> I think two percent, that's a little bit little. What would you put your percentage at? I would okay, put what in, would you put your percentage at? I would put my confidence in Autry right now. With the current roster he has for for just 2023, 24, I think the future you put it at about 85. Right now, I'd give it about a 70 or 75. Does that seem low to you? Because I'm not yeah, so. It, 
it do, it does be, it does because when was the last time you heard this kind of positivity coming out of any program at Syracuse? The men's soccer team just won the national championship. It, okay, okay. When I say like a what like a a bigger time sport. Uh, no offense to men's soccer, but that's an Olympic sport. We were talking about revenue sports. Oh, okay, that's fair. Uh, not since we've been at SU. Like you, you don't, you just don't really hear these type of things said about Syracuse from players or from Jim Beheim in in what he was trying to build because you know obviously he had his track record. Adrian Altry is trying to prove himself as a head coach, and you have to take these quotes with a grain of salt because he is trying to build himself up to be respected within college basketball. But I don't know how you can't take what he's saying at face value because what else is he going to do? He has to go prove it. Otherwise, Syracuse could be back at square one in just a couple of years. That's the thing. He, it's he's saying all the right things, and it really, Ethan, it stems back to the press conference you and I attended this past March when he was formally introduced as head coach. He said, "I'm going to introduce my own vision with the foundation that has built that have built this program into what it is." From that moment, I was like, "Yeah, okay, this guy is going to be." legit when talking to the media he's going to keep saying all the right things that's going to make this program seem like it's only up and up again seem being the key word the question is once you get on the court what is it going to look like can you handle unh and canisius easily in the first two games of the season can you prevent a third straight loss to colgate can you go to maui and have a respectable performance against some of college basketball's best can you actually beat Georgetown in D.C. when you're supposed to? Which, by the way, now confirmed. We'll have to find out. I'm going to have an article detailing even more of these comments uh, today when this published podcast is published on Friday, detailing what I, you know, even more in-depth thoughts about looking at these quotes, what exactly do they say, and how positive can you be about them? When you look at Syracuse, basketball Liam what is the next step to you even before they play any games is there anything else that Autry needs to do this offseason to prove to you as as someone who covers the team as someone who's a fan of the team is there anything more you need to see maybe get another recruit in terms of building this year's roster he's done a fine job and he added an excellent recruiter to his staff in Brendan Strong this past offseason what he has already done and what he's going to continue to do for DMV recruiting is awesome. Can we see it lead to one more recruit before the school year starts? Because this year's roster, like we talked about about a month ago, it's a deep, has a high ceiling, also has a low floor. I think you're fine there. Can you do something else to raise this program's stock in the future? That's the big thing for me. But in terms of the upcoming season, Ethan, I don't really see any glaring issues at the moment, do you? No, I do not. All right, let's move on to our final topic of the day. Number five. So we talked a lot about basketball recruiting, but got to shout out Dino Babers and the football recruiting. The class of 2023, I can't say I was too enthused by 73rd overall, including transfers. But right now, the class of 2024, 43rd overall in the country, according to 24-7 sports, 16 commitments already. Very, very impressive. And you look at this breakdown by state. 
is something I'm really interested in because you got six players committed from the state of New Jersey. You look at your top 1,000 guys on 24-7 sports. This is Syracuse program that has really struggled to bring in the top talent in the country and especially from the Northeast. This is a group right now with seven or eight guys in the top 1,000, and that is led by Jakari Williams, a top 350 player in the class, a four-star quarterback from the state of Georgia. You're also bringing in a, a top, 250 tight end from the state of Georgia in Jamie Tremble. Syracuse football recruiting in the class of 2024. I mean, a top 50 class. I'd be thrilled with that, Liam. As would I. And Ethan, you mentioned the point, first point I was going to bring up their inability to recruit their area. All these recruits coming in from Jersey, that's something we frankly had not seen in the past and something I certainly didn't expect coming into the season. And Ethan, I'm the trend has been the little wins, right? You're not really going for any big name five stars, but the depth of this roster is going to be so much better a few years from now because of these additions, right? What was the, the problem last season? As you got injured, you your roster got wore down, and your lack, no of, depth, depth. No, your no, lack no. of depth was completely exposed under to a one and six finish. That was all too terribly difficult to watch. You have a recruiting class like this, top top 50, which would be a massive, massive, massive improvement from last year. Such issues won't solve themselves immediately, but the long-term fix certainly might make John Wattack's words about Dino Baber's job security true. Maybe. I, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it when we get to, you know, early signing day and the national signing day in February. If this is still a top 60 class, because I would have to imagine there are schools that are going to pass Syracuse. At you, the would think. you would think you would think, I mean, you look at these overall rankings right now, Syracuse is 43rd teams that are behind the orange right now, Auburn, Michigan state, Washington, Iowa state, Maryland, NC state, TCU, a team that was just in the college football playoff national championship game. Baylor, Indiana, UCLA, Oklahoma State, Deion Sanders in Colorado is 60th. I mean, well, Northwestern 62nd. I would bet Syracuse probably stays higher than Northwestern. I would be bewildered if it does not. Now, but you would think there are a lot of schools that are going to pass Syracuse. You, you absolutely would, Ethan. But at the same time, anything's an upgrade over the 2023 class. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see and find I, out as I is think the, I as think, is the case usually, but it's yeah. a great start and worth shouting out. It absolutely is, and if you can keep adding these small victories over the course of the off season, and as twenty twenty three comes along, come National Signing Day, I don't think you'll be in too bad of a spot, Ethan. Can is is top thirty too big of an ask? Probably yes, but uh, top forty you, probably is too. Top forty is too, but. You keep bringing in these little wins, I'd be content because, yeah, I don't have much more to say than that. Keep bringing in these little wins, and I and I would be very happy. All right. Liam Griffin is speechless at himself over what Syracuse football can do in recruiting. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Check out all our content at theorangefizz.com. New articles daily, new podcasts every few weeks over the summer, and then we're back to weekly Fizz Fives. When football season is getting going, that'll do it for us. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks.
And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.